Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Deborah from Media Night Radio. As you know, we have a special edition. We will be talking to Gloria, the wonderful Gloria Loring. We welcome her to the airwaves. Uh, Daytime and singing legend Gloria Loring. Daytime audiences remember Gloria from her portrayal of Liz Chandler on the hit daytime drama, Days of Our Lives. While Gloria was on Days of Our Lives, she wrote and performed Friends and Lovers, which became the most requested song in daytime history on NBC. Gloria then paired with Carl Anderson to record Friends and Lovers as a duet. After finding a small record label to produce and release the single to radio and record stores, Friends and Lovers went number one to become the first song launched from a television network. Raising a Son with Juvenile Diabetes inspired Gloria to write four books about people living with diabetes. This life experience prompted Gloria to become a spokesperson for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Gloria was honored by the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation with the Lifetime Commitment Award and the Founders Award from the National Disease Research Interchange. Additionally, Gloria was also honored with the Woman of Achievement Award by the Miss America Organization. She is listed in the Who's Who in America and Who's Who of American Women. Gloria has also written a spiritual autobiography that will be released at the end of this year. People in the LA area are in for a big treat. For one night only, Gloria will be doing a seminar titled Lessons from a Soap Opera, How to Drop the Drama, this Saturday, March 17th, in Pasadena. This evening includes the seminar, music, and a meet and greet with Gloria. Don't miss out on this amazing evening. Let's welcome the wonderful Gloria Loring. Hello, Gloria. Hello. Well, I I love that. I'm now I I I, I suppose I could now bill myself as Gloria the Wonderful Loring. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. I love it. Well, it's nice to talk to you, Deborah. This oh. is very very nice. And hello out there, everybody. Absolutely. Um, so, Gloria, you were born in New York City. Yeah. Uh, what prompted you to move to Los Angeles, California? Well, I was born in New York. My dad was a musician, and my mom uh, was a band singer for a while until she got pregnant with me. And then, But we lived there until I was 11. But every summer we would go to Minnesota. Now, I'm giving you the roundabout way I got to Los Angeles. And, um, and then when I was uh, going into seventh grade, we moved to Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I lived there for three years, and we had a lot of relatives in Minnesota. And then my dad was transferred down to Miami. And now talk about a fish out of water. I was basically a Minnesota girl, even with so much, you know, Midwestern upbringing. And now I was in Miami Beach, and almost all the kids in our school were either Jewish or Cuban. And there I was, this little chicksa, little wasp girl, who wanted so to belong. And I, was, I really was a fish out of water. But the thing that happened was I started singing in high school. And I sang in everything they would let me sing, in every school production. And then I started singing with a folk group, and we worked at the coffee houses around Miami. So it was great I was in Miami because there was a very vibrant um, uh, coffee house scene where you could work if you were 14 and 15 because there was no liquor served. 
And then um, my parents moved to California when I was 18, but I already had some engagements booked. I had started singing and, and really just semi-supporting myself or adding some money to the household. They moved away and left me behind. And it was a couple of – I started touring, singing, and then it was when I was about 20 – one, I moved back to New York City because I started doing the Merv Griffin show. So now I'm back in New York where I started. Then I went to Toronto, and I was appearing in Toronto, singing at the Royal York Hotel, and I met Alan Thicke. Yes, that Alan Thicke from Growing Pains and the Thick of the Night show, and we got married in 1970. And we both moved to Los Angeles because I had started doing some of the big variety shows, and um, we came out to L.A. just to reposition our careers, and he started as a writer and gradually moved on to being a producer and then um, an actor and has certainly been very successful at that. And uh, I stayed on in Los Angeles, and so did he, and we both our sons were born here in L.A. Well, I'm not in L.A. I live two hours out of L.A., but here in Southern California, and their sons were born in Southern California, so it's, it's great. We're, we've been in California for a long time now. Wow. Now, do you miss anything in particular about New York City that L.A. doesn't have to offer? Uh, no, I actually live in the mountains. <laughs> I have nobody who lives around me. I take my dogs for a walk. I don't see a soul. Um, the one thing I love about going into L.A., I wouldn't want to live in a big city. I like the quiet up here. I like the room, the space. I love hearing the birds singing in the trees. I love it. There's almost nobody around um, in my little community. Almost everybody is a second homeowner, and we live here full time, so we just love it. We we do our work in our studios here, like I'm preparing now for the seminar, and you know, rehearsing the songs and going over the, adding a few little things to my talk, and uh, then I go out and I do what I do, and then I come home to peace and quiet and 5,000 feet up and a little snow. We get um, we get change of season up here, so I suppose I like that from the New York and Minnesota side of me. But um, I I I wouldn't want to live in New York. No, no. <laughs> I'm very happy where I am in Lake Arrowhead, California. I hear it's gorgeous up there. Yes, it is. It very much is. Okay, well, let's talk about your new book titled "Coincidence Is God's Way of Remaining Anonymous." Spiritual yeah. Autobiography, which is published by the same publisher of the book series Chicken Soup for the Soul. I know. Isn't that extraordinary? I, I worked on that book off and on. I put it aside for a long time, over a period of about 10 years. And uh, I wrote it, and then I put it aside, and then I picked it up, and I rewrote some of the things, and then I put it aside for a long time because I thought that that title was just too too difficult a title to put out there and then and 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 not have people think it was a religious book which it's not it's a book about spirit spirit can have any name um that's that spirit that creator that that source from which we all come um is named in science and it's named in all the spiritual traditions and everybody has a little different understanding of it but what happened to me was you mentioned my son's diabetes um, when I was on Days of Our Lives, um, my son was diagnosed with diabetes one year before. 
um, I joined the cast of Dazed. And while I was there, I noticed that everybody traded recipes. And uh, not everybody, but in the dressing room, we'd often trade recipes. We were busy, and we wanted quick things to cook. And it dawned on me, boy, I bet the fans would love to hear what recipes different different ones of the actors liked. So I had the idea for the celebrity cookbook. Well, long story short, a year went by. I had friends help me get it all together, but and I had everything ready. I had the recipes. I had the pictures. I had the autographs. I had the little personal stories. I had a printer lined up. You know, People had stepped forward to do the design work. It was amazing. I didn't have any money. And this is actually the first chapter of the book. I went into my dressing room on a Friday morning and days of our lives, put my bag down on a chair, did my day's work, end of the day. I picked up the bag because I had to get to the airport. I picked up the bag, and under the bag was a little business card that was not there when I checked in at 6 that morning. But for that afternoon, there was a little business card under my bag, and all it said was, expect a miracle. I got on a plane that night. I flew to Houston. And the next day, I played tennis in a celebrity tennis tournament to raise money for diabetes research. That night, there was a celebrity talent show, when we all got up and did a song or two. As I came down off the stage, there was a man there, and he said, do you remember me? I said, well, you sure look familiar, and he reminded me where we'd met. We talked, and a little voice in my head said, tell him about the cookbook. And so after a couple prompts, tell him about the cookbook. I did, and I told him about how I was trying to raise money for diabetes research, and I had this Days of Our Lives celebrity cookbook all ready to go, but I didn't have any money to pay for the printing. And he said, Hello? I'm sorry, there's a phone ringing. Are we okay? We're good. Okay. And he said, well, I'll give you, t-. he said, how much do you need? And I said, I need $40,000. You know, I was a little hesitant. <laughs> and he said, well, I'll give you 10 Come on, let's go out in the lobby. i got some friends here tonight, and this is Texas. Within four weeks, with his friends and him and other people, it's like the door opened. Within 24 hours of that card appearing in my dressing room, expect a miracle, I met the man who helped open the doors to raise the $40,000 I needed to pay for the first printing of the cookbook. We sold out all 50,000 copies. We did another run. We sold out a second 50,000 copies. Two years later, we did volume two of the Days of Our Lives Celebrity Cookbook, and those cookbooks raised a million dollars for diabetes research. Oh, my gosh. This is the first chapter of my book. Oh. That's why I said coincidence is now coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous mm-hmm. is a quote by Albert Einstein. Oh, isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. You know, you'd think it would be some great spiritual leader. No, it's from a scientist. And so what happened was I was telling this like we're talking now. I was telling the story about the Expect a Miracle card and raising the money and running into Ben Rogers from Beaumont, Texas, and him giving me $10,000 and all of that and selling out all the cookbooks and raising a million dollars. And I said, isn't that an amazing coincidence? And the man I was talking to, the interviewer, said, well, you know, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. And I stopped. I said, wait a second. Say that again? And he said, coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. 
I said, oh, I like that, and I wrote it down. And I started to practice saying that right. whenever I told that story about the raising the money and the cookbook, the Days of Our Lives cookbook, and gradually it kind of seeped into my consciousness, and I started to think about it because I liked the way I sounded. I sounded like I was really smart and wise and insightful, you know, when I said it. And although I didn't really understand what it meant. I didn't under—I didn't know the depth of what that meant. But along the years, after raising that money, a number of coincidences, extraordinary coincidences happened to me, which you'll have to read the book to find out, yeah. that started me realizing that there was something to that saying. And so it was about 12 years ago that I first sat down and wrote all these stories down. I had seven chapters of these things that had happened to me along the way that were just those kinds of things that, you know, two people sit down, let me tell you what happened to me. And you go, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. That's what I had. But it took me all those extra years to sort of live my way into a complete acceptance and knowing of what coincidence is, how that becomes the supreme intelligence working in our lives, that we are connected to what we need, what is maybe best for us, um, that that I agree with, with um, Christian mystic Pierre Tillard de Chardin, who said not everything is immediately good, but everything is capable of becoming good. Right. And that's really, if there's one thing that's a takeaway of this book, it's that we never know when something that seemed like it could never be healed, never be fixed, never be forgiven, never be forgotten, would suddenly leap up and in a moment it could all shift. And that's the wonderful thing about coincidence. Now, by coincidence, I mean the coinciding of personally meaningful events. Because if they're personally meaningful to you, that means that they they may not, the same coincidence might happen to me, but I wouldn't call it a coinciding of personally meaningful events. Mm -hmm. Because it's just, oh, you know, whatever, I don't know, something happened and well, that's not a coincidence, that's just happenstance, you know. But for you, if it's something that sparks your interest, if it gets your attention, it might have a message for you. It might have a prompt, like a little nudge from the universe. Um, it might have a piece of information for you. I remember a simple coincidence. I was uh, asked to perform uh, for a, a spiritual event, and I was thinking, what am I going to sing? It was a New Year's Eve, and would you come and sing a song? And I'm thinking, what am I going to sing? And I was just you know, kind of racking my brain, and I turned on the radio while I was thinking about this, and there was the perfect song for me to sing. Wow. In your eyes, the light, the heat, your eyes, I am complete in your eyes. I mean, it was the perfect song. Those things happen to us. But if we don't have an understanding within which to hold them, we miss the opportunity to really understand be aware of the great goodness that comes into our lives right. all the time. So that's what this book is about. Coincidence is God's way of remaining anonymous. Now, what what I found so unique about your book 
is that it has its own original soundtrack written to explain each chapter. Well, in a sense, I don't know that it explains, but it does expand on some of the principles involved in each chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, The songs were written when I first started writing the book, and all the songs are contained on a CD called Turn the Page that I recorded several years ago. Um, But I use the song lyrics within the book to begin each chapter because they do, in a storytelling kind of way, further elucidate and expand on the spiritual principles that are discussed within that chapter. So it is true that it is kind of a soundtrack for the, for the book, a book with its own soundtrack instead of a movie. <laughs> I loved it. When I read that, I was like, how unique. Do you know? Well, you could I hope start so. Something. I mean, you could start something with all of these other authors now. <laughs> well, we'll see. If they're also songwriters and singers, then they could. Absolutely. Um, okay, so the word coincidence is included in the title, obviously, and we've spoken a lot about it. What led to your discovery about how coincidence plays a major role in our lives? Well, what led to it was the story I did, I, I did tell you about the, the Days of Our Lives cookbook and raising a million dollars. Right. Um, as as I started to to live with that saying and and think about the many things that had happened coincidentally to me, coinciding of meaningful events. Um, and after I wrote the chapters down, I became more and more interested. And I started to read, I, I, I ordered, oh God, dozens of books. I read everything I could about both the scientific side and the spiritual side, about the colloquial side, people's storytelling, um, and the researchers. Um, I wanted to find out how, how we are connected at the quantum level, quantum physics. So I did an awful lot of research. And actually, you know, some of those spiritual principles are contained in the seminar that I'm going to give this coming Saturday night. Um, because we are connected to goodness. We are connected to what we need to know, what our next step might be. Um, because the, the, that, that power in, in the universe that we call God, good orderly direction, um, supreme intelligence, higher power, higher self, inner self. I mean, we contain a conduit to that intelligence within us. Um, So I'm going to talk about that. It's actually called superior knowledge. I'm going to talk about that this weekend in the the seminar, uh, Lessons from a Soap Opera, How to Drop the Drama, because we have the ability when we quiet ourselves, mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes when you least expect it, an answer will come to you. You'll be, you'll be ruminating on, should I do this or should I do that, this or that, this or that. And you're back and forth, A or B, A or B, A or B. And sometimes you just let it go, and something comes up in front of you, or the thought, oh, that's what I should do. Or a, a, a song comes on the radio, or someone says something, or you read it in the book, or you hear it on the news, and it, you suddenly go, that's, there it is. That's what I needed. And that's that superior knowledge. We have access to that within ourselves. Sometimes if we're struggling with something, we can just become quiet and ask our own inner being, our own heart, what should I know about this? What do I need to know? What's the best thing for me to do about this? Um, there actually is um, an institute called the Heart Math, like mathematics, Heart Math 
Institute of Heart Mass, and they've done 20 years of research about our own access within ourselves to what they call the higher heart, our best nature, our great wisdom that we can access. And they have very specific tools that you can learn. Um, There's a a book called The Heart Math Solution, and I'll be talking about that Saturday night also, um, that you can get and you can actually study these principles. If you can't be with me Saturday night in Pasadena at the Church of Truth um, for the seminar, then, then you can get The Heart Math Solution and study these principles and I'm telling you, I, I did at one point. I studied them, and um, they're just wonderful. They're so so valuable and so um, true and authentic and useful, practical. So I love that. Absolutely. It, it, it's fascinating listening to you about this this subject and this superior knowledge and, and that it's, it's in math also. I mean, you wouldn't think that, well, it's in heart math. Heart math is a terminology. It's called heart math. In other words, it take, it's taking a scientific approach to the wisdom of the heart. So that's the that's heart. The Institute of Heart Math. Anybody can look that up online, like heart math, M A T H. Um, but superior knowledge. The reason my talk is called Lessons from a Soap Opera is that superior knowledge is a terminology that comes from the theatrical world, from the world of soaps. And you see, the reason it's lessons from a soap opera is these are things I learned while I was on the soap opera that had to do with acting. Superior knowledge, and we've all seen this, is when you as a viewer, you're watching a soap opera, and you know that Stefano is plotting against Liz, but Liz doesn't know it. So you've now been given a superior overview, a piece of knowledge that makes you rise above the actors you're see, the, the characters you're seeing on the screen. So you now feel engaged, and you now feel connected to those people. Well, again, we can access our own superior knowledge, that connection to the wisdom of the heart, the highest heart, uh, the inner self, the higher self, the you know the superior intelligence, all of that, whatever name you want to use for that that power, that presence, that that the wisdom of the universe. Um, we can access that for ourselves. And I actually take, in the seminar, um, I take uh, the audience through a couple of techniques of how to center themselves and begin to access their own superior knowledge. And then another aspect of the seminar is what I call pink pages. When I was on Days of Our Lives, um, we were given a script that had a certain color, it started off, I think it was a blue or a green, it was all in blue or green, pale blue or green pages. And then as we, as the rewrites developed, we would be given pages to insert that were the rewrites, and those were the pink pages. Right. And so what I help people understand after 20 years of spiritual study, and I am a certified yoga instructor, and I have studied yoga now for 22 years, 23 almost, and... What I do is I combine ancient spiritual principles with stress reduction, psychological knowledge, and acting techniques and information from the soap opera. And I give people a way to to understand where the drama is starting, where it comes from, and how they can give themselves instantaneous rewrites, pink pages, (laughs) to lessen the drama in their lives. 
And I think that's such an important thing for us to be able to do. Absolutely. Is to we get into a situation, we see ourselves starting to get agitated and ramped up, and maybe the mind is going a million miles an hour, and what can we do to recognize what's happening, step in front of it, as like we would with a good friend, and say, now, now wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, Deborah, let, let me, let me, let's talk for a second. Take a breath, darling girl. You know what I mean? The way you do with a girl, good friend, if they were getting all agitated. Yes. It's to learn how to do that with ourselves. And then the last um, aspect that I'm going to discuss of dropping the drama in my my seminar is playing the love. There's a very famous acting coach, Michael Shirtlin, and he said, when you don't know what else to do. In a scene, as an actor, play the love. In other words, if you have a scene where there's a fearful situation, there's a dangerous situation, don't just play being scared. Play, I have two children. Uh, you know, or I have, like Liz would say, I have Noel at home. I have to get out of this. I have to survive this. Whatever this is about, you know what I mean? Yes. You, you play the love. You play because love is active. Fear backs away. Fear closes down. Fear shuts itself off from. Fear tries to run the other way. Love gets actively involved. And I give some very good examples in the seminar about how to play the love in our daily lives. So there, there are three really powerful um, understandings, uh, superior knowledge, pink pages, and playing the love. And we're going to have about 90 minutes to go through them, and I'm actually going to take people through some experiences because um, I've been doing this for a long time now. <laughs> I'm going to take them through some experiences, of, and we're going to we're going to talk back and forth. It's participatory, um, and then at the end, I'm going to I have some fun songs I picked out. Some of them from the new book, Coincidences: God's Way of Remaining Anonymous, that relate to the spiritual principles within the seminar, and I'm going to sing those, and we're just going to have a great time. And one of them, um, of course, it's on St. Patty's Day, March the 17th, and St. Patrick's Day. That's right. And, and one of the songs is a song uh, that I wrote with an Irish singer-songwriter named Michael Snow, who lives in Nashville. And um, it's a very Irish song with the Irish drums and all of that <laughs> called We've All Been Invited to the Dance. So we're just going to have some fun in Pasadena. So I don't know who uh, who's out there is listening, who's close by, and... But um, they can go on my website okay. and go to my blog on my website, and there is a poster there. If you go to their home page, just GloriaLoring.com, and you'll see there's a little band about joining me on March 17th, etc. and it says, see my blog above, and you go and you just click on the blog tab, and it will take you right to the poster nice. um, for the seminar this Saturday night. Absolutely, and and that that uh, the poster has been up on Twitter and Facebook all week. Uh, so yeah, isn't that great? No, it's a it's a beautiful poster. I uh, encourage everyone to come uh, to this seminar. It's going to be an amazing, amazing evening. Again, uh, GloriaLoring.com. You can get the details, um, but it's at the Church of Truth, six ninety East Orange Grove Boulevard in Pasadena. And yes. uh, tickets are at the door are twenty dollars, and uh, if you want to call, it's six two six seven nine five six nine zero five. 
And like I said, I, I encourage everyone to come to this amazing evening that Gloria. Yeah, and it's it's really sweet. It's a it's an eighty seven year old church. It's the sweetest place and they're so nice there. And again, you know, this is about a practical application of spiritual principles, not religious. I don't ask anybody to believe what I believe. There's no proselytizing. It's just let's figure out how to make highest principles of what it is to be human work in our lives. That's what I'm, I'm always interested in. You know, you can tell me that we believe this or we should do that or whatever, but I'm saying, okay, but how do we do that? How do we actually apply those principles? What are the, what are the tools that we can use, the little, um, little opportunities to catch ourselves? We might be going in, in a, a less than perfect direction or a less than um, fortunate direction. So um, I'm really excited about giving this uh, this talk. I've given it a, a, quite a number of times now, and um, the Conscious Life Expo, I gave it there uh, just a couple months ago and have given it a number of times for a number of groups and just gotten such enormous response. And, and so it, it's always a, a treat when I get to give this talk. Oh, I... I uh... I can imagine. I, I could. Uh, I, I look forward to it. Uh, Are you going to be able to come down? Absolutely. You're kidding! Oh, I'm so excited. That's wonderful. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, that's so fabulous. That'll be so much fun. Well, make sure you find me and let me know who you are. Absolutely, I will. I I uh, I will be with uh, Carrie, the producer. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, okay, so so days of our lives. We we've, we've talked a lot about days of our lives tonight and. Um, but you wrote and performed the number one hit, Friends and Lovers. Oh, no, we have to correct that. I didn't write it. It was written by Paul Gordon and Jay Gruska. Now, let me just tell you the story, because this is another one of the chapters in my book. I'll tell you very quickly. Will you have a couple more minutes? Absolutely. Okay. So I was bemoaning the fact, while I was on Days of Our Lives, that now I, my character Liz was so successful that instead of people identifying me as the singer I had been for all those years before I joined Days of Our Lives, they were now saying I was a soap opera actress. And I'm, I'm saying to my, my, uh, one of my associate producers, I'm saying, wait a minute, now I think I'm a soap opera actress. I'll never get another record deal. I'll never get to have a, a, a hit record. I'll never have a hit record. I was feeling very sorry for myself. <laughs> and she said, now wait a second. If, if you could, how could it happen? And I started to think, well, because I was just saying why it couldn't happen. Mm -hmm. And she said, but how could it happen? I said, well, if I found a great song, and I started to delineate how possibly, well, maybe, but not probably, but just maybe, you know, if this and this and this and this happened. If I found a great song, if the fans loved it, if I started to sing it on the show, if it got enough fan notice, if the network noticed that maybe we could make a record company interested well, do you know that everything that I said to her that day came true, starting with, now talk about coincidence, it's God's way of remaining anonymous. This is that we are connected, but we have to take an active role in our connected, connectedness. We have to be the ones to say, this is what, <coughs> sorry, just one second. <coughs> sorry, I got a little tickle in my throat. We have to be the ones Sometimes, not always, sometimes stuff just shows up. But we're more likely to evidence in our lives what it is we truly want if we have a clearer picture of it. And, of course, this is the secret, isn't it? That that extraordinary book and movie and all that was out is 
you know, the secret is you have to know what you want and make it clear to the universe. Right. So anyway, the, the next day, listen to this, the next day after I was bemoaning that I'll never have a hit record, and she said, how could it happen? And I made this little kind of wish list. That night she went out with some of the other producers to grab a bite to eat after the show. They were talking about a song that had been sent to the show that one of the other characters was going to sing. And she brought me into the office that morning. She said, come here, I want you to hear something. And she played me, what would you think if I told you I've always wanted to hold you? By the time the first chorus was ended, I turned the tape recorder off and I said, Beth, that's a hit song if I ever heard one in my whole life. I sang it that very week. But do you know, the universe has its own timing. (laughs) It took a while to get in touch with, for somebody to introduce me to Carl Anderson, who I flipped over his voice. Then I kept singing it on the show because the writers loved it. They attached it to Shane and Kimberly's story, so now it became a consistent song. Then they had Carl Anderson on to sing it with with Liz, it took one year from the time I first found that song, sang that song, until it was released and started to climb up the charts. And it was this. Now, here's another coinciding of meaningful events. The week that I left Days of Our Lives, I asked to leave. I said, I'm, I'm done here. My work is done. My first book was published. My divorce became final. Friends and Lovers hit number one all over North America, and I left Days of Our Lives. Wow. All in the same week. Talk about a coinciding of personally meaningful events. There were endings and there were beginnings. I had a book. I had a record. I had the end of Days of Our Lives, and I had the official ending of my marriage. Isn't that fascinating? That is. I know, isn't that, I mean, life is so extraordinary. And sometimes it's, I think that's why it took me 12 years to write my book. Because sometimes we've got to step back and get a little space between us and an event or a circumstance or a relationship or a job or whatever. Because we have to see it. We have to come to a place of a little more superior knowledge, a bigger vision of it. We need time to process, to marinate in its meaning. And and I think that's why it took me so long to write the book, because there were things that I understood at one level 12 years ago when I started writing the book, and then I understand at a whole different level now 12 years later. Mm-hmm. And it's such a great journey. It's such a great journey. Life just keeps getting deeper and sweeter. And now when a challenge comes my way, when something tough comes my way, one of the first things I say, and I talk about this in Chapter 12, is what is this asking of me? Is it asking more love, more patience, more understanding, more forgiveness, all of which are great qualities? You know? I mean, somebody may be on their very worst behavior, and what is it asking of me? Is it asking me to have some compassion for the fact that they don't know any better than to act like that? Maybe. Is it asking me to forgive myself for the, the times and ways I acted like that? Just the same, the same thing I'm seeing in front of me right now, losing my temper, doing whatever, whatever. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, so 
I just think it's so extraordinary. And this is all the kind of stuff we're going to talk about Saturday night. And it's going to be so much fun. Um, I'm I'm so excited to do it. I'm really revved up for it. It sounds like it. But, but let's face it, Gloria, you have been through challenge after challenge after challenge, and especially with your son and what you've done for juvenile diabetes awareness and everything else is amazing. Well, but you, you have to look at it. In, in a sense, you know, if you have a, your, your baby looks at you and you're giving him shots every day and he's screaming, I hate you, I don't want this anymore, stop it, stop it. And he says, Mama, when will my shots be over? Aren't you going to say to him, I'm going to do something to make that happen? I'm going to try to do something? I mean, you know, in whatever small way, if it's just to make the shots more reasonable or reward him, you're going to try to comfort that child. Mm -hmm. So I don't think I did anything that any mother, any parent doesn't try to do in their own way with what they have available to them. Fortunately for me, I was put into a circumstance where I had 10 million daily viewers. And I had the, the enormous gift and blessing of being in that environment and I remember, actually, i got to tell you, I remember, Deborah, when Brennan's di- diabetes, you know, he, I'd had it a year when I went on Days of Our Lives. Right. And when I got that job, I remember being excited, but one of the first thoughts in my head was, now I can let people know about how hard diabetes is and how much we need to find a cure. Because there was nothing more important than my son. So I have said this many times. Brennan's diabetes was one of the greatest gifts my life ever gave me. Now, I can't say that it was a gift for Brennan, but it was for me, because it prompted me to go out in the world and do things and become a person that I I don't know that anything but my son would have prompted me to move beyond my, my fear issues about going out in the world on a personal basis. I was great as long as I was singing. I was great when I was on a stage, but once I was off a stage, I wasn't very certain of myself. So this, his diabetes, and my love for him and wanting to do something to help him prompted me to move out into the world, to start businesses, to start a little, like, mini publishing company. I started a little mini record company because I did a recording project that was part of that fundraising. I never would have done that if Brennan hadn't gotten diabetes. So we never know. We come back to Pierre Tillard de Chardin. We never know that something that is not immediately good cannot become eventually good. Right. It's such, that's what's so exciting about this life. That's beautiful. I mean, that, that is a beautiful statement, but it's also beautiful that the one thing that you thought when you got the job, I mean, now I can tell people about this and, and make it more. That's beautiful, Gloria. Well, but if you, if you had a four-year-old that you, were, that you and your husband had to hold down every morning to get his shot into him, mm-hmm. and he said, Mama, please make this stop, wouldn't you do, wouldn't that be the first thing in your heart? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm not any kind of extraordinary person. You know, I'm really not. There are people out there slugging away, you know, working two and three jobs just to feed their children who deserve 
all the credit they could possibly be given. I just happen to be a more public person. You know, I, I my my story is out there and you know emblazoned on a book cover eventually or whatever you know, or in a song or, but but that's what you do. That's what you do when you love somebody. You talk about playing the love. When we play the love, when we become act instead of the fear, when we actively step into life, everything can change. Everything can change. Wow. Very, very exciting. So I, I can't wait for Saturday night, and I'm so glad you're going to be there. And um, I, I'm so glad to get a chance to talk with you. And, and uh, I welcome everybody who's going to be there Saturday night. We're going to have some CDs, and we'll get to have a cup of tea and visit a little bit, and it'll be great. Oh, wonderful. Again, GloriaLoring.com. Check out her website. It is amazing. Uh, as well as everybody in the L.A. area should come to this seminar, music, extravaganza night event. Uh, I, uh, it's going to be an amazing night, I'm sure. Uh, well, I'm so excited that you will be there, and I look uh, forward to meeting you. I look forward to meeting you too, Gloria. Thank you so much for sharing, um, for sharing with us and being here with us. I appreciate it. And uh, the uh, Days of Our Lives fans are out there as well, appreciating you. Uh, they still miss you, as you know. And uh, we'll be seeing you soon. Oh, thank you so much, dear. We'll see you this weekend. Okay. Thank you, Gloria. Okay. Bye. Bye. This will conclude our, our um, this will conclude our interview with Gloria Loring. Everyone, have a good night.